0: The views expressed on this program are solely those of the speaker and do not reflect the views and opinions of Centennial Securities. Be reminded that this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Happy Friday! Welcome to the Weekly Investment Podcast, where we discuss the week's must-know investment news and how it affects your money. I am your host, Walter. This week, we kick off the Whips interview series. I'm humbled that so many interesting individuals have agreed to be on the podcast this year, and I am sure that you'll enjoy this new addition to the Whip. That said, I am very excited to share with you today my conversation with our first guest, Mr. Jordan Powers. Jordan Powers joined Centennial Securities in 2016 and serves as the firm's chief counsel and chief compliance officer. Prior to joining Centennial, Jordan spent three years as a product specialist and counsel for a transaction risk management and financial consulting company. Jordan also previously served as a senior analyst and subject matter expert for an international financial consulting company headquartered in Washington, DC. Jordan received his JD from the University of Denver, Sturm College of Law, and currently holds six different securities licenses. On the personal side, Jordan lives in Grand Rapids, Michigan with his wife and their two children. In their free time, they enjoy going for hikes and bike rides. Jordan also enjoys running, reading, and woodworking. Happy Friday, Jordan. How are you? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? I'm also well, thanks, and thank you for being on the whip. It's a pleasure to have you on the program. We are slated to talk today about a little piece of legislation passed late last year, the Secure Act 2.0. What did you find most interesting in that bill?
1: Well, that's that's a great question and there was there was a lot of good things in there. The Secure Act 2.0 passed 3 years to the day after the uh the first Secure Act was passed back in 2019. Like most pieces of legislation, it takes a little bit to weed through it in the Secure Act 2.0, but there's there's several positive changes for people to save for retirement. And one of the, the biggest things you need to plan for in saving for retirement is how to do it in the most tax efficient manner, right? One simple change was another increase to the RMD age. Um, so RMD, that's your, your quite required minimum distribution. So that's basically Congress's way, the government's way of making sure they get their taxes. So in an IRA, it's, it's, you get to experience tax-deferred growth. So anything in there, you don't have to pay taxes on until you take it out. But the federal government's going, well, if you'd never take it out until you die, we never get our money, right? So once you get a little older, we're going to make you take some of that money out on a pace that we think is going to get most or all of the money out by the time that you die, and therefore we can get our taxes that you owe us. So the RMD age raised up to 73 for individuals born between 1951 and 1959, and then age 75 for anyone born in 1960 or later. One big question that gets posed then is, okay, with this change, if I was turning 72 in In 2022 do i still need to continue my rmds in 2022 into 2023 and unfortunately that question the answer is yes but moving forward people are going to have a little bit more flexibility to put off those rmds and again the the big benefit of that is they can put off taking that money out which they then need to pay income taxes on upon distribution if you don't need that money to live on if you have social security and other and other income coming in people would generally like to keep that money in there, let it grow, and not have to pay the taxes on the money they don't actually need to to live on.
0: This was one portion of the Secure Act 2.0 that went into effect January 1 of 2023. So someone turning 72 in 2023 has another year to delay their RMD, correct?
1: That's correct. Yep. So you got another free year to work with there that was a positive change again any, anything that just provides investors with more flexibility to to move the money in and out at their leisure and not at the pace structured by the federal government is generally a good change for investors another thing that caught my eye was the the mention of the the qualified charitable distributions or what are commonly referred to as QCDs so the secure act 2.0 Continues to allow the the qualified charitable distribution and increase the limits of the QCDs that that are permitted per year, and also change so that they are now indexed for inflation. So they'll continue to rise on a year by year basis, whereas before it was a fixed amount that was that was stagnant.
0: This may be a good time to explain what a QCD is. Jordan, could you please tell us how it's different from just giving money to a charity?
1: Well, the key is that's a a QCD is a distribution directly made directly from an IRA to your qualified charity so rather than taking the money out and putting it in your bank account holding on to it doing whatever you want with it and then making a charitable contribution at the end of the year you're making that charitable contribution directly from your IRA and now this is going to have two major advantages one because you never took possession of that money, it's not going to be included in your taxable income. So you don't have to pay income taxes on it like you normally would for any IRA distribution. Additionally, because that's not including your taxable income or your AGI, you not only don't have to pay income taxes on it, but it's not included in several other calculations that are used for other things, like the portion of Social Security upon which you need to make, pay taxes, Or your Medicare surcharges all of that is goes up and down based on your level of income and if you can take money out and have it excluded from your AGI that's going to reduce those other calculations and you'll be paying less in your Social Security taxes and less Medicare surcharges it has lots of advantages especially for people that were planning on making charitable distributions anyway. If you, if you make a distribution or a charitable gift to your, your church on a monthly or annual basis or, your, or to the Red Cross or to any number of organization that you were already planning on doing, it would be silly not to use, utilize this QCD and save taxes on that money and also decrease your AGI, which again will have other benefits for other taxable
0: calculations. Sounds like QCDs are a great way to maximize charitable giving and lower taxable income all at the same time. Now, be reminded that your IRA custodian can help make a QCD and will require the charitable organization's name and tax identification number to process the request. Also, remember that the check needs to be made payable to the benefiting organization and be dated no later than December 31st. Lastly, another best practice is that the QCD check be sent to the IRA owner so that they can then send the check along with a letter to the charitable organization. That ensures that the beneficiary has the name, address, and record of who gave the gift. This makes it easy for the organization to thank and follow up on your generosity.
1: That's correct. Yep, those are all good practices. The the key, though, um, as you mentioned, is the check needs to be made out to the charitable organization and not to the IRA owner, because that will destroy the, the QCD status. Also important to note that you cannot start making these QCDs until the age 70 and a half. However... We now have a a little gap here because previously the QCD age was set to align with with the RMD age, which we knew used to be 70 and a half. Now the RMD age is being raised up to 73 or potentially 75. However, the QCD age is remaining at 70 half. So even if you are not an RMD age yet, you can start making these QCDs, which will not obviously satisfy your RMD because you're not of RMD age yet, but it'll allow you to make these gifts without paying taxes on the money first and still minimize those other calculations that we previously discussed.
0: Great stuff, Jordan. What else is in the Secure Act 2.0 that caught your eye?
1: There's two more things that really caught my eye, and this is gonna be applicable for potentially some of our, our younger audience out there. We're familiar with 529 plans that are commonly used to save for someone's education, generally started by a, a parent or a grandparent or some other adult loved one who wants to start saving for for someone's future education needs. They're a great tool. They, Again, they, this is after-tax money, but it allows this money to grow tax-free and uh, during the, the life of the account. And then withdrawn, um, you don't have to pay the tax on the growth as long as it's used for qualified educational purposes.
0: My two kids have 529 plans, and we like saving for their education as well as the state tax benefit for doing so.
1: Likewise, yep. So I, I also have two children. We have 529 plans for both of them, and it's a great way to start saving for your kids' education. But the question is begged: What do you do with this money if you get 18 years down the road, and let's say your child has an alternative path? Maybe they join the military. Maybe they're lucky enough to get a full ride scholarship, you know, athletic, academic, or otherwise. Now we have this money sitting here that has grown tax deferred, which is great, but that's on the contingency that it was gonna be used for educational purposes. So what do we do with that money now? Do we just pay taxes and pay penalties on it because we we don't have the need to have it uh, be utilized for its designated use? Or now what we have the ability to do is make a 529 to a Roth IRA transfer. So basically we have another bucket where we can move that money to and still have it continue to grow on a tax-deferred basis. There are some catches, but we can work with them. The first one is that the the Roth IRA receiving the funds must be in the name of the beneficiary of the 529 plan. So you can't transfer your kid's college money to your Roth IRA. It would have to be a Roth IRA for your child or whoever you were saving that those college funds for. Additionally, the 529 plan must be maintained for at least 15 years, so this can't be a quick turnaround the annual transfers must align with the existing Roth contribution limits for that particular year and the maximum amount to be transferred during one's lifetime would be $35,000 this could be used in a couple different situations one is kind of what I just described you are anticipating your child going to college for whatever reason they get to 18 years old and they don't need the money Well now, instead of paying a penalty on that money or transferring it to someone else, you can start a Roth IRA for that child and start to fund it on an annual basis from that 529 plan into the Roth IRA up to $35,000. The only qualification here is that the account has to be maintained for at least 15 years. So if you started this when the child was young, you might have a 16 year old that could be starting to save for retirement before they would even otherwise be legally able to open a Roth IRA. Now, this could be utilized for families who know that college is not going to be an issue. Either that's not the path that they're headed or they have the funds to pay for college and do not need to utilize a 529 plan to do that they can start saving more than they're they're going to need for college and begin to actually start a retirement plan for their child again at the age of 16 or 18 and be give them a great jump start on their retirement plan as they enter the workforce and, and adulthood
0: Wow, save for education, give a major leg up on retirement savings, or even both? What's your final Secure Act 2.0 highlight?
1: Yep, exactly. All right, the last one that caught my eye was, I thought, very interesting, especially for someone like me who uh, did some extensive post-secondary education and came out with some sizable student loans. What this changes is it's going to allow a company 401k match student loan payments. Let's elaborate on that a little bit. When you start with an employer, they're able to have these these company-sponsored retirement plans, these commonly known as these 401k plans, and they often offer a company match. So let's say for every 5% of your paycheck that you Contribute to a 401k, the company will match that, and they'll give whatever that 5%. Let's say it's a hundred thousand dollar salary. You gave five grand to that 401k. We'll match that, and we'll also contribute five grand to that 401k. Well, what if you're coming out of college and you're not making that much money? You're making fifty grand a year, and you have big student loan payments, and you're paying rents, and you've got a car payments, and you're just trying to kind of make your way in the world and feel like you know what, this sounds like a great opportunity to get this company matched, but I just can't afford it. I can't afford to part with 5% of my income right now because I'm trying to pay down these student loans. And I want to pay them off as quickly as I possibly can because that's the responsible thing to do. And I want to get out of debt so I can move forward and buy a house and do these other things with my life. Well, now what this allows companies' plans to include is, let's say, rather than, putting that 5% of your income towards your 401k, you're putting it towards your student loan payments, but the company can still match that 5% and contribute to your 401k plan. So it changes the, the dynamic a little bit for people that are a little strapped coming out of school trying to pay off their loans to not have to choose between whether I'm going to start saving for retirement or pay off my loan while still starting to chip away and start my 401k because as we know the compounding interest is the eighth wonder of the world and the earlier you can start doing that the the better off you're going to be so i thought that was a pretty cool change as well i expect a lot of companies to start embracing that in 2024 because i think it's going to be a a nice perk
0: to attract younger talent coming out of school sounds like a game changer for those with student loans well jordan thank you for being on the whip. This was a lot of fun and very insightful. Let's please talk again soon.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I look forward to the whip every week and uh, it's a pleasure to be on here with you.
0: Jordan can be reached by email at jordan at centennialsec.com. That email address again is jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N at centennialsec.com. Join us next week for our review of the Fed's latest rate hike meeting and much, much more. Thank you for listening, and please have a nice weekend when you get there. Talk to you next week.